Thanks for joining us today on RV Tech Talk, a podcast produced by the National RV Training Academy that is devoted to discussing ways to keep your RVs in tip-top shape and ways to make money fixing or inspecting recreation vehicles. My name is Greg Gerber, your host for today's show. Today I'm interviewing a full-time RVer who spends his summers in the mountains of Arizona and his winters in the warm weather of the Phoenix and Mesa Valley. Chad Bell, otherwise known as the RV Yogi, named his business in honor of his first grandchild. When she was born, Chad started calling her Boo Boo, which meant everyone started calling him Yogi, and the name stuck. A former diving instructor and industrial maintenance technician, Chad started his business in September of 2020. At first, he focused on RV inspections, however, he completed his advanced training classes in June of 2021 to become a certified RV technician as well. After working a short time at an RV dealership to learn the ropes, Chad ventured out on his own. Soon he discovered he liked turning wrenches more than he liked using a computer to complete an inspection. That's because Chad likes the hands-on challenge of diagnosing a problem and following it back to the root source, then fixing it to get something to work again. To tell us how he set up his business and finds his clients, please welcome Certified RV Inspector and Certified RV Technician, Chad Bell, the RV Yogi, to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Chad. I really appreciate your time. How did you get the name, the RV Yogi? Years ago, when my first grandchild was born, she turns 10 later this month, next week actually, when she was born, I called her Boo Boo. And immediately I was Yogi from then on to everybody. And so when it came time to start the business, I was hunting for a name. My previous dive businesses business was the diving that was diving bell scuba bell was my last name. So I was, it was a play off my name and I was looking to play off my name again. And Yogi was the easiest thing to come with. So I, I went with the RV Yogi and my tagline is actually bringing inner peace and strength to the camping experience. Oh, that's cool. That's very good. How long have you been doing this? I have been doing RVs for about three years. I took my initial training classes in September of 2020, September, August timeframe, started doing inspections and PDIs shortly after that, and then spent some time at a dealership. And then I bounced over in June of 21 and did all the tech courses over in Athens, Texas at the National RV Training Academy, came back from that and went from the PDI side of the dealership to the service side and very quickly transferred out of the dealership to just running my own business. Okay. You like that better? I do. I like to say my boss is still a jerk, but I know how he thinks. And I think I mentioned when we were talking earlier that I find the mental aspect of it is much easier on me. I spent 25 years in industrial maintenance in factories. Nobody's ever happy to see the maintenance guy come or go. Maintenance guy shows up, they're unhappy because it's broke. Maintenance guy leaves, they're unhappy because they got to start work again. When I show up to fix an RV, they're happy I'm there. When I leave, they're happy I'm gone or I'm not leaving. So that's the point is to make the customer happy. And that side of it is extremely rewarding for me. Did you start as an inspector, I understand, and then moved in to technicians? Yeah, I actually, and that inspector side actually came from my own buying experience. 
when I came, we were living in Hawaii for a few years. I was running my own business over there. When I came back, my wife wanted to come back to Phoenix Mesa to be closer to the grandkids. And I'm like, I can't spend summers in that place again. I'm not doing it. And she's, we'll buy an RV and we'll leave in the summer. So we get back, we buy an RV, COVID hits. Nobody wants to come work on my rig. I can't take it back to the dealership because I'm living in it. So I'm trying to figure out how to work on it myself. And that's when I'm like, this is wrong. And this is wrong. Why didn't anybody tell me about these things before I bought it? That process of learning that stuff is what led me to the National RV Training Academy. And at the time I found, hey, they, these guys have a fundamental class and a Zoom class going online because COVID was happening. And I, so I took the time to take that online course. That, and it was all Zoom, so it was live. It wasn't just an online course. But I took, when I signed up for the fundamentals course, I found out they had the inspector's course at the same time. So I was like, I'm doing one. I'll just take a second week. I'll do them back to back. And that was also a Zoom course? That was also a Zoom course, yes. Okay. And then when did you decide to go back and do the full training for the technicians? When I, when I started doing inspections, it didn't take me very long to get, to get to where I enjoyed working on RVs and could see that as an industrial maintenance technician, I needed to switch over and actually do the repair side because that's my background. That's who I am. So I'm, I left where the factory had been working in and I switched over to a dealership and I was working with those guys and I'm like, I just need this insider knowledge that you get when you take the training courses. So my wife and I discussed it and she's a nurse. So she took a travel nurse assignment in Texas. We actually had one really close to Athens. We thought, ah, oh, it's just a short drive. And two weeks before we left, they canceled it. So she wound up further away, but I drove an hour each day to get to Athens for the classes. But yeah, it was, it took me a few months of working at the dealership and doing inspections on the side to decide I need to go get this extra knowledge. And I could have got it from the guys there. They would have been happy to send me to, what is it, RVTI at the time, had a, an online course sheet that the dealership would have paid for. And I was just like, no, I want to go put my hands on it and I want to go get into it. And at the time, NRVTA was the only one offering that. That's a great story. And so you got the training and you started working by inspecting RVs, but then you found yourself doing more fixing of RVs. Yeah, especially when you go to a dealership as a PDI tech. A lot of times, at least at the dealership I was at, I don't, and at the two dealerships I worked at, it was this way. When you did the PDI, you also did all the repairs for the things that you found the issues that you found when you were doing the PDI. So you wind up starting to do those repairs. And as I was doing those repairs, I found myself a little too often for a guy with my experience having to go to another tech and say, hey, I got this going on, I got this going on, what's happening? So that lack of knowledge was really bugging me as a tech. And so I just was like, I'm going to go over and I'm going to take the class where I can get my hands on it because... You're in there doing those repairs, and that's, that's part of that PDI process. The inspection side was great when I was doing my own inspections, and I was trying to limit those. I think I was working four days a week at dealership, so Fridays and Saturdays I was doing inspections, and those were great, but the computer side of it was a little laborious for me, so I, I tried to find more of the tech side attractive and worked more and more towards that. 
That sounds like your job was more technical in nature. And so you probably feel better at home turning wrenches than holding clipboards. Absolutely. <laughs> what are some of the things that really stood out in the training that you took? There was a lot of industry-specific stuff and a lot of fun little tech secrets that you only get one of two ways. You either learn them the hard way on the job or on the job with another tech. You learn them the hard way, you learn them from them, or you get them from a place that has them. And, you know, how to troubleshoot a Schwintech system, how to put a Schwintech system together so that it's right. There's, in the dealership I was at, there were maybe two guys that were good at it. So there were two guys that did that job over and over again. And the rest of us are like, hey, how do we get that information? So that was the nice part. It's like those kind of, that kind of information and those little tricks of the trade, they hand it to you. The other thing that really stood out was just the amount of time that we spent with our hands actually on the equipment. I'm sure you hear this over and over again, but that fridge class is amazing because we probably spent less than six hours in the classroom. And the rest of the time, your hands on the equipment. You got questions, you call the instructor over. He helps you work through that problem. He helps you troubleshoot it, gives you the, the pointers that you need. And you learn how to work on the equipment, which has always been critical for me. I'm not, I'm not a see it in my head kind of guy. I'm not a, a, on the paperwork kind of guy. Put my hands on it. Let me turn the wrenches. Let me see what it's doing. Let me see how it reacts when I put my meter on it. These are the things that I needed to see. And that was important to me. It's actually exactly why I went to NRVTA was because they had the hands on. They offered that and it was big. I don't think you're alone. I think most men learn through hands-on experience rather than a classroom instruction. And the fact that NRVTA offers both so you know what to look for once you sit down in front of the machine or the piece of equipment, and then you can get your hands dirty looking at it. And then it all makes sense. The classroom training becomes real. Yeah, I don't think troubleshooting is one of those things that you can teach you actually have to get out there and do it and step through it and learn it. You can't teach it. You can learn it, but you can't teach it is what I, is 25 years of industrial maintenance over and over again. I have guys like, how do you troubleshoot? And I'm like, no, let's go out there and go through this problem and we'll step through it. And you'll see, we follow the problem back to the, to its origin point and we troubleshoot it that way. I can, you can learn it that way, but teaching it, there's a lot of guys who, who probably can teach it. I've never been able to teach it, but I can, I can put somebody on a piece of equipment and they can learn it from me. Very good. When you set up your business, you had some prior experience as a business owner yourself, but was it difficult to become a self-employed technician and or inspector? The nice part about Arizona, I don't know how the other states, my previous business was in Hawaii and they were a lot like Arizona you're able to sit down and step through everything right online. It takes a little bit of research to know how to put everything together, but it's all doable right online with a little bit of research. I had mine set up before I even started. That was one thing I learned in Hawaii was to set the business up before you start doing anything because then you can count those expenses of setting up the business and all that all the training and stuff, you can count that towards the business. So that for me was 
an important learning point when I set up my business in Hawaii. So when I came back here and I'm like, okay, we're going to do this and we're going we're gonna to go with this RV business. And we started building it. And I'm going to say we because my wife is an integral part of this system. She's the silent partner, if you will, but she's still critical. She answers the phone as much as anybody else and that kind of thing. But yeah, she, her and I sat down and we're like, okay, we'll figure this out. And so we stepped through the process online. Arizona has a really nice system online. Probably the most challenging part was to set up my tax, my sales tax stuff. But even that I was able to work through online by myself. Saying that it's probably not a bad idea to hire somebody if you've never done it because they'll have it set up in a day and you won't have that headache. That's good advice. Some people do find it challenging to do that. When you started as an inspector and as a technician, you got dealership experience. Were you glad to have done that? My dealership experience is paying dividends to this day. Multiple reasons for that, but primarily for me, it was the reason I went to the dealership was to get away from the factory I was working in at the time. That being said, once I got in that dealership and I started doing PDIs every day, I'm basic, you're basically doing an RV inspection. The RV inspections that we do as an inspector, four to six hours minimum at the dealership, you only get paid four hours for that inspection. And that's not every dealership. That was just the one I was at. Jayco was a little more, it's the word I'm looking for here. They were a little more generous. So we got paid four hours for a PDI. And then if you got into a toy hauler or a big motorhome or something, it was five and a half or six hours. But on just a regular small Jayco trailer, four hours, and you had to cover almost everything that we cover in an inspection in that four hours. And at the dealership, you go through that and then you grab the guy at the bay next to you and, hey, come just double check me. And he walks through and you get that, points out things. And so you get that backup. And that was beneficial for me to learn how to see things and pick things up quickly. I built relationships when I was at the dealership. So I picked up a lot of, a lot of guys that I share um, questions with and stuff like that outside of the NRVTA uh, alumni and the RVTAA folks that I'm communicating with on a regular basis. I still, I have that group. And so those benefits have been huge because if I reach out to the NRVTA folks or the RVTAA folks and I don't get the answer I want, I know I have this other group of guys I can reach out to and they help. And then the last benefit that I've really picked up from is I learned the warranty side of things, working with them and how warranty works. That was really beneficial when I started picking up warranty work in my business. Warranty work is more time consuming. It costs more. I actually charge a higher labor rate for it because of that. But at the same time, you learn how to process that stuff. You learn how to word that stuff so that you get the right response from the warranty company. And then lastly, because I used to work for them, that dealership now uses me as their mobile tech for their warranty calls. Well, that's cool. And at the same time, they refer me a lot of customers to me when they're like, oh, you're out of warranty. You living in it full time here. Call Yogi. He'll come out and take care of you. He's a good guy. He used to work for us. They refer a lot of other guys too, but at the same time, I get quite a few 
if they know I'm in their the customers in an area I'm in, they hand out my card. That's good that you've got a cooperative relationship with the former employer. Was it challenging for you to go from a paycheck kind of situation into self-employment? You had worked for a company for most of your career, and it can be hard for some people to make that transition away from a steady paycheck into the, you get paid when you work. Yeah. It's always, this is my second business. And every time you step away from a regular paying job into a, hey, it depends on me. It depends on how much work I do. It depends on how many calls I come in. That's nerve wracking. For me, my biggest benefit is the fact that I have this amazing wife who's a nurse who makes good money, who says, no, I don't want you back in the factory. You're a jerk when you're in the factory, you (laughs) jerk. So she's, yeah, go do it. Get out there, do that thing. And then as my business grew and I got to the point where I'm carrying enough of a load, she's okay, here comes payback. And now she just works Saturday and Sunday at the hospital and I work the rest of the week and we carry that load together. And she's actually starting to pick up more, answering more of the phone calls. She's doing more of the paperwork on the backside. I haven't quite gotten her to dealing with the warranty companies yet, but she's doing everything else. That's nice to have a partner like that. What are some of the things you did to get your first customers once you got into business for yourself? I'll tell you the biggest thing I did. So I I started picking up customers off of the locator and that was really beneficial. But I was watching YouTube somewhere along the way and I heard some guy on YouTube say, hey, if you want people to know what you do, write what you do really big on the side of your truck. And When I heard that, I thought, if I write the RV Yogi on the side of my truck, people are going to come over and go, are you giving yoga lessons? And actually, (laughs) that was one of the first things I was asked when I got to NRVTA is, are you a yoga instructor? So instead of RV Yogi really big on the side of my truck, it says RV repairs, really big. RV repairs, smaller underneath it, it says end inspections, and then it has my website and my phone number so that I can be reached. I drive through it out in Mesa. We have quite a few large Cal-Am resorts and several other large RV resorts. I drive through those. I almost never drive through an RV resort where somebody doesn't take a picture of my truck. So that it's, I think I spent $300 on decals. Best $300 I ever spent. Paid for itself in the first month and has paid for itself time and time again ever since. That and business cards. I take my business cards. I keep a box of them in the truck at all times. When I'm finished with the customer, I hand a customer five business cards, minimum. And they're like, oh, I don't need this many business cards. And I'm like, my truck's been parked out in front of your place for an hour. In the next three hours, at least three people are going to come knock on your door and say, who was that guy that was just here? Is he any good? If you like what I did, hand him a business card. That in itself pays dividends. I will probably get at least one or two calls a week where people are like, hey, gave me your card. Hey, you were over here at my neighbor's place the other day. I saw your truck. So the business cards themselves, leaving a stack of them is huge. The locator helped with the inspections, but once I had the truck up and running, and I know a lot of guys 
they don't want to put that big logo on the side of their truck. I added a camper to the back of mine. I put it on the camper. But don't buy a small little magnet and put it on the side of your truck. Go big or go home. Go big. <laughs> when you're driving through the RV resort and you're driving by, people don't have time to read that small magnet. But RV repairs eight inches tall down the side of my truck. People are like, oh, get that guy's number. He's going by. Catch him. So, yeah, I'm a big proponent of that big name. And on the back of my truck, it's the same way. It's I've got the big camper with all my tools in it. It says RV repairs on the back. I understand you also tweaked your profile on the NRV IA and RVT locators to be more descriptive than many others are. Why don't you tell us what you put in that seemed to work in drawing attention to what you do? I probably spent four hours writing my profile for the locator because when I'm looking for a tech or I'm looking for somebody to come out and work on my stuff, I want to know, hey, what's this guy about? How's he function? How's he think? And you get that from a referral or you get that from a profile that tells people who you are. So if you find my profile, you're going to find out why I'm called Yogi, why my name's the RV Yogi, what I'm about, what my history is. I did 25 years in, of industrial maintenance, and it's my focus to have a happy customer. I spent too many years with unhappy customers because they were in the factory having to work. The campers, when their air conditioner works or their fridge works or something, they're happy. And when I leave, I want you to be happy. So that was the profile I wrote. I took the time to make sure the customer understands, hey, this is who I am, this is what I'm about, and this is what I want to do for you. And I get customers call me and they're like, hey, I saw your profile. And they talk to me like they know me after having just read my profile. That's great advice because a lot of people just put their name and phone number and website and call it a day, but you're using the profile to actually sell your business and sell your services. So you might as well take available or take advantage of every available space that's a, that you can have to fill out on that profile. Absolutely. My, my business, I am my business. I am my services. They need to know who I am and what I'm about. When they go to call me, they'll call me and they'll say, Hey, is this Chad? And I'm like, yeah, this is Chad. Hey, I saw your profile. And and I'm like, yeah, you can call me Yogi. It's okay. That's who I am. <laughs> and they're oh, that's such a cool start. So like that kind of stuff comes off pretty quick from the people who've read the profile. They're like, yeah, we get it. We know who you are. We can talk to you. And that's, I'm like, if you want to do something good for your business, if you want to get seen on the locator, that one's huge. And I've, one of the things I do is I, as new techs come into the area, that have been through school. I probably mentored four or five of them now. As they come in the area, I'm like, and they reach out to me. I'm like, hey, you want to go out and take calls with me? You want to do stuff? Let me help you get going. You got questions when you're having, when you're having trouble on a site, call me, that kind of thing. But as I'm mentoring those type of guys, I'm like, hey, I checked your profile last night on the locator. Your name and phone number isn't enough. Get on there. Write a story. Let them know who you are. Let them know what you're about. It's huge. Have you encountered any challenges in your business or out in the field? When you work in a dealership or you work in a factory, there's always somebody to lean back on. There's always somebody to say, hey, 
come look at this with me. Hey, come help me lift this up, that kind of thing. Learning that self-reliance that comes as a mobile tech can be challenging for a lot of guys, especially if you've been in a team environment like the factory or like the, the dealership where you can go grab another guy and say, hey, help me, help me lift this air conditioner up. Hey, help me, help me troubleshoot this because I'm stumped. So you have to learn some creative ways to do things. You have to learn how to think outside the little box you're stuck in. Hey, I'm in the back of this fridge and nuts not doing what it's supposed to. And everything I check is right. What am I missing? All right, let me go back from the start and walk through it again. That is a huge challenge. Does it help for you to have a network of other technicians? That's absolutely huge. When you get, that's one of the reasons why I take the time to mentor other techs that come into the area or come out freshly, are freshly out of school. Because for me, I was able to develop that network at the dealership. So I have those guys to fall back on. And then I've, developed at the same time, developed that network of other techs to lean on over, over our time here. So you don't consider other technicians in your service area to be competition to be avoided, but it sounds like you're actually stepping out to mentor them. I, I am most days I'm a week to a week and a half out. I was at a training class this morning. I was speaking with about three or four other technicians mobile technicians area that aren't RVTAA, but local guys that I know from training classes and just being in the area together. Most of those guys, this time of year, they're about a week out. And in the winter, they're three weeks out. I take less calls than they do on average. Those guys are running four or five calls a day. If they can get away with it, I'm doing two because I want to take my time. But those guys are swamped. I'm swamped. We're all turning away calls. Uh, you can drive in Mesa Regal or Valley del Oro, and there's 2,000 campsites in each of those. About half of those are RV, and there's a dozen of those places in Mesa alone. Apache Junction, like the valley is swamped with people. I go in the summer up to the high country to get out of this heat. It's 112 today in Phoenix. It's 90 and raining in Heber. It's cooling off. It's probably 85 after the rain, right? So I go up there in the summer. I don't have to sit in that heat. I don't have to cook on a rooftop and 112 degrees trying to figure out why your air conditioner doesn't work. It's way more comfortable. And I'm in a, I'm in a gap up there. I parked myself right in a gap. There's a couple guys in Sholo. There's a couple guys in Payson. It's 40, 50 miles to Sholo. It's an hour to Payson. There's nobody out there but me. There's a bunch of campgrounds that are national park campgrounds for the national forests. There's a ton of people out there boondocking in the middle of nowhere. And there's probably six campgrounds just right in the Heber, Air, Heber Overguard area. So I've got this little gap. And as soon as I pull in, like, there's people knocking on my door in my campsite. There's tons of work. You're a big fish in a small pond. <laughs> it's really, there's so much, so many camper, campers up there in that hole that I'm in. And there's not much there. It's 40 miles to the nearest actual big grocery store. I think Safeway is 40 miles away. 
but yeah, it's, it's in a little hole and it's really, for me, it's beneficial to be up there and have that load in the summer because there's enough guys in the Valley in the summer to carry the load down here when things slow down. And then I can come back with the snowbirds, be a snowbird myself <laughs> and jump right back in down here. And my, I actually develop customers in the Valley while I'm in the high country because I go up there just last week, I had a, a guy with a broken cable on a slide. I got it fixed. I got it put back together. He's, hey, your address is just down the street from me on your card. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in the valley in the winter. And he's like, you're back in October. Good to know. I got a whole street full of RVs. <laughs> all of my neighbors have them. I'll hand your card out. I'm like, here's a stack. Yeah, that it all, it all comes full circle. But for me, there's tons of work. There's plenty of guys out there. And if you make your customers happy when you drive away, if they're smiling and waving and, hey, I can't wait to see you again. Hope I don't need you, but I can't wait to see you again. It pays dividends and it comes back. And I tell my customers, the only thing that works on an RV is the owner. <laughs> but at the same time, I hope you don't have to call me. And they get it. They understand. And they're thrilled that they have that resource. And I will talk a customer through a problem on the phone versus have to come out, if, especially if it's something I can troubleshoot over the phone and I can talk them through it and have them fix it themselves because I know I'm expensive. It's not cheap to call an RV tech. And if I can talk you through it over the phone and we can move on, you're going to call me when you have something. Big. That's a good point. If you had to start your business over, is there anything you do differently today? I would probably go tech first. And I think that comes more down to my, it comes more down to who I am as a technician. I've been a maintenance tech for 30 years now, and it comes down to that. I would rather fix it than inspect it. I'm just that clipboard in my hand. It all makes sense. And I get it and I do it and I do a good job of it. Tell your belt. But I'm happier with the wrench in my hand. So yeah, I would probably make that change. And I would I definitely would probably go to the school sooner. The sooner you can get to the school, great. And then if you come out, one of the big things about the school is you come out with the confidence to fix stuff. But if you come out from that school with the confidence to fix stuff and then you don't get out there and do it, it wanes pretty quick. So if you are having trouble building that, go find a dealership that'll put you on part-time that'll let you do the things because you'll get in there, you'll get in there with those other techs and you'll see what the guys who haven't been to the school are doing and see, you'll be able to compare your knowledge with the guy who's been doing this for two or three years or four or five years and has never been to an actual school. And you'll be able to compare your knowledge and say, you know what? I have the knowledge and I have the skills. They taught it to me. And that's a huge confidence booster. One of my, one of the girls I went to school with, great gal. She works out in Florida in the summer, up in Florida in the winter, up in Maine in the summer, Vermont, somewhere up there. I keep track of her, but I don't know where she is. But when she came out, like at the end of class, like the last couple of days, she came to me and she said, Chad, what do you think? I've got this opportunity to go to a dealership. And I'm like, go spend a season at a dealership. Do it. It's not going to hurt you financially. They pay. Usually, they don't start you flat rate. They start you hourly. You're going to make your money while you learn. And then you're going to gain your confidence, and you're going to come out as a skilled technician. She's now on the road 
couple times a year and she's making a healthy living and she's, man, every time I see her, she's tickled to death. So, Do you have any advice for people who are either new technicians or experienced technicians? Get out there and do it. That's really the biggest thing for me is get out there and do it. Take the time to talk to people, develop those skills. When you show up and you go on the clock, don't stop talking. I generally will have a conversation, a, a running diatribe with a customer, if you will, as I'm troubleshooting. Normally, they're going to be standing over your shoulder. They want to know what you're doing to their rig. Be comfortable with that. Include them. Explain to them, hey, I'm looking for this. I'm checking for that. That running diatribe with that customer helps me at the same time with my troubleshooting process. Oh, hey, I forgot about this or I need to do that because I'm talking to him. I'm explaining to him. So get out there and do it. Get into that. Make those customers happy and including them in the repair sometimes does that. Other people are like, yeah, fix it. They don't want anything to do with it. Great. They're not over your shoulder, but learning how to deal with that customer over your shoulder is a priority. I think for, I, I have taken multiple texts on calls and had that customer over the shoulder and we walk away and they're like, how do you deal with that? I teach. That's how I deal with that. I'm a scuba instructor. That's my old business. I teach. It's just, it's natural to me. I teach. And whether you're teaching a new tech that's fresh in the field or you're teaching a customer those classes where you, hey, customer calls you and said, hey, I just bought this new rig. I don't understand how it works. That's the best three hours of my <laughs> life. I go out there and I park that. that I'm like, Here, pick a campground. I'll meet you there. He backs it in. He parks it. And then we spend three hours with my hands in my pockets, telling him what to do, having conversations, explaining things, teaching. I love it. It's so much fun. That part of it, as the customer grows and smiles and they're happy. The other thing is teach other techs. If you've got a new tech in your area, especially for the experienced guys, if you've got a new tech in your area, hey, you know what? I need a second hand for this awning job or this slide out job or something. Call a tech that you know is new in the area or that doesn't have these skills or doesn't have the confidence at these skills. Call them, say, hey, I've got a slide out job. Come out with me. Put them on the job. Don't stiff them, pay them for coming out with you, but put them on the job and teach them how to do it. Because I've taken multiple techs on the job with me before they even went to the school and they come back from the school and they're like, man, you're right on the money. You taught me, you know, all that stuff Chandler's teaching, I learned from you. <laughs> so it's a lot of that same stuff that comes through that school. Teach that stuff, share it with your other guys. And then training, go to every training you can get your hands-on. I did Truma training yesterday and today. I was at Dometic earlier this year. I was at Elkhart last year for the Lippert class. Those things are huge. Get your hands on every one of those, especially if you can do the in-person trainings. Those are huge. That, it expands your knowledge. You got to do the CEUs for your certification anyway. But if you can get in there and get your hands on those, I learned all about the new Truma air conditioner today. Didn't even know the thing was coming out until I sat down in the classroom and there's this big air conditioner sitting in front of him like Truma doesn't do air conditioners yeah they do they don't come out until September but they're doing them and that thing's got a delta t that I'm in shock it's so much better that's the knowledge it's like in Arizona 
20 degree delta t doesn't do you much good in 115 degrees you're still sitting at 95 but if you can get a delta t of 60 degrees from a truma man you'll pay a little extra for that truma won't you <laughs> you will yeah so i'm i don't mean to be selling truma here but that's that's the kind of training that when you come back from it you're like oh there's a benefit to that oh hey i learned this new trick at the dometic training that's going to help me those kind of things and then Lippert comes to town, almost every town, every big city, once a year. Jump on that training if you can. I'll do that same training over and over again just because I pick up something every year. So it's worth it to me. How can people get in touch with you if they'd like to connect with you, even as a fellow technician or as somebody looking for a repair? There's always my website, thervyogi.org. T-H-E-R-V-Y-O-G-I dot O-R-G. You can jump on there. You can call me at 480-808-0848. Yeah, that's a lot of fours and eights. You can call me if you're another technician, and you can text that number too. If you're another technician, feel free to call me. I will talk to you. I will answer your questions. I don't have a problem with that. As a matter of fact, I'm so happy to teach the dealership that I used to work at brought me in last year to teach a bunch of their PDI techs a furnace class. And they're pushing me to go get RVTI certified so I can teach in their RVTI program. And I'm pushing Chandler, or not Chandler, but Cooper, to put together that type of program. Because when I go in that dealership, and I'm in there a lot, and they know me, and I have free reign of that place. They still let me walk the bays. I go back there and help my help the new guys troubleshoot stuff, help the old guys fix stuff. When, especially the solar stuff, because I got, I took the solar class from Todd while I was at NRVTA and the solar stuff, they quite often call me and they're like, hey, I'm doing a solar project. I got questions and I'll go down there and I'll spend an hour or two in the bay with them in there. So those guys, they're happy to have me out there. So that kind of thing, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> but yeah, that kind of thing, is beneficial. So I will totally, if you have questions and you want to call me, text me, I'm happy to help. I can't always visualize that stuff in my head the way a lot of people do. I have, I have challenges with that. So when I'm asking you a lot of silly questions on the phone, that's why. But yeah, it's, I'm happy to answer those questions. I'm happy to have those conversations. So there's the website, there's the phone number, and I'm also on Facebook at the RV Yogi. So Super. Thank you very much, Chad. I really appreciate it. You've given us a lot of great information. I love the tips, especially for the newer folks who are just getting into this. So I appreciate your time and your expertise. Hey, I was. this was a ball. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed speaking with Chad Bell, the RV yogi, about his RV inspection and mobile repair business. The most important decision he made was to go to work for an RV dealership for a short time to gain some experience. He started doing pre-delivery inspections for the dealership that helped Chad develop a process for evaluating RVs for customers. It was also convenient for Chad to ask another technician for help or advice, which accelerated his own learning curve. Add the benefit of learning how to process warranty repair claims, and Chad thinks being paid by the dealership for a while saved him a lot of time trying to figure out things on his own. To find customers, Chad ensured his profile was relevant and up-to-date on both the National RV Inspectors Association website, as well as the RV Technician Association of America website. 
When it came to creating signage for his work truck, Chad thought putting RV Yogi in big letters on his truck may cause people to think he provided yoga lessons. So he ensured the words RV repairs and inspection was the focal point in big letters. Chad said the $300 he spent for decals for his truck was the best money he spent on advertising. By keeping a box of business cards in his truck, ensuring his customers receive several cards after he completes a job, much of his business today comes from word of mouth advertising. Chad is fortunate that his wife helps him with his business by answering phones and taking care of administrative details. However, he finds time to mentor other technicians and inspectors around him. Doing so builds his own little network of professionals who can support him when Chad needs extra help. If he had to start over again, Chad says he would have jumped into fixing RVs earlier. He also encourages technicians and inspectors to attend every type of training they can, helps improve their skills, and with more skills, their confidence improves. While some technicians don't like customers standing over their shoulder, Chad embraces that and works to help educate RV owners as to how their rigs work. It all helps establish Chad as an expert. To connect with Chad, visit www.thervyogi.com. Today's episode is sponsored by the National RV Training Academy in Athens, Texas. The Academy's one-week live training or home study course will teach you everything you need to know to fix about 80% of the problems people experience with their RVs. You can also sign up for additional training to become an RV inspector, campground technician, or to provide mobile RV service. For more information, visit www.nrvta.com. That's all for this week's show. Next time, I'll be interviewing an RV technician from Chattanooga who is working to develop a nationwide referral system for technicians who roam the country. I'll have that interview on the next episode of RV Tech Talk. Thanks for listening.